As we come to this first Sunday after Easter, I invite you to open to a somewhat familiar place to John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On Easter Sunday, we hear the first resurrection appearance made to Mary, and that Mary goes and tells the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And today, we come to John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, the immediate follow-up to that, where the disciples have been told that Jesus has risen and appeared to Mary, but they have not yet seen him. And so as we come to God's word this morning, we'll be looking at John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Before we do so, let's pray. God, you have given us the gift of your word. You have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit to illumine your word to us. You have given us the gift of full measures of grace and truth within your word. Send your Holy Spirit upon us. Open our hearts that you may fill them. Speak, O Lord, for your servants are eager to hear a word from you. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the, others, the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love sequels. And I know for a lot of people, 
Sequels get a bad rap, and critics are harder on sequels than anything else. The first movie in a series can kind of get a pass out of curiosity, but a sequel gets raked over the coals of criticism. And I will tell you, I love sequels. And yes, there's some terrible ones out there, but for one good sequel, it makes all of the ones that were, you know, less than good worth seeing. The reason I love sequels is because it's a continuation of the same story. It's characters that you know, and I love character development. It's maybe some new characters you don't know, but it furthers the plot, it continues the adventure, it takes the story into the next step. But sometimes sequels fall flat because they're just not as good as the original. It's like coming to church the Sunday after Easter. It just like maybe it just won't be quite as good as last Sunday when there was the, just the fullness and the breadth and the depth and all of all of the grandiose things about Easter. But then the Sunday after, it's like a sequel. It's like the follow-up. And make no mistake, there are people who just don't come to the sequel. But I love sequels and I think they're important. Now Sequels can have one fatal flaw if they try to ride on the coattails of the original film. It has to be something new. It has to have its own independent theme. And we have to see just enough of what's familiar to draw us in and get us excited. And we have to experience just enough new to bring us forward into the next chapter. Now, a few weeks ago, the trailer for Thor Ragnarok came out. Just the teaser trailer, just the first one. And I know about a third of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And that's okay, just, just ride with me on this train of sequels. Talk to Dave Rock, because I'm pretty sure Thor is his favorite Avenger. Yeah, the, the mighty Avenger. Dave, I will say, for being mighty, he gets beat up a lot. But the trailer came out, and I saw familiar characters, and I got excited. And I saw some new faces, and, and Jeff Goldblum is good in almost everything, so I'm excited to see him pulled into this. And I almost thought about playing that trailer for us this morning, but once again, a third of us wouldn't know what's going on, and then the rest of us would get so excited, we'd be thinking about Thor the rest of the day, or we'd have Led Zeppelin stuck in our head for the rest of the service. And I'm not saying that's all bad either. But sequels are going to take us one step further. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, is the sequel to the first resurrection appearance. Now, the book of Acts as a whole is the sequel to Jesus' ministry. It's the next character development phase. It's some new characters, some familiar ones, but it makes sense. It's the natural progression into what is new. But today, we kind of just get the in-between sequel. And one of the main characters in this sequel, is Thomas. And if there's an independent theme to be pulled into these verses, the sequel to Easter, it's the fact that Jesus three different times says, peace be with you. Peace be with you is the independent theme of this next installment of the gospel series. And Jesus says, peace be with you to a group of disciples who are afraid. Jesus says, peace be with you, to a group of disciples that are very unsure 
about what is going to happen next. And in fact, they're a little bit uncertain about what has even occurred. Jesus says, peace be with you, to a group of disciples that are hiding behind locked doors. Now, maybe we want to nudge the disciples harder and and go and say, come on, what are you doing? Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Get out there. Go tell people. But they're not yet sure. And Jesus does not come and scold them for hiding. Jesus does not come and shame them for their uncertainty. Jesus does not condemn them for the fact that they're sitting behind locked doors. Jesus comes to the disciples and says to them, peace be with you. When we are facing trials, when we are uncertain, when we are afraid, probably what we need to hear more than anything else is that sequel theme, peace be with you. And it needs to be heard by Thomas as well. Doubting Thomas, as he is often called. And I think Thomas sometimes gets a bad rap in in church history. I love Thomas. I think we learn a lot about God's character through watching how Jesus interacts with Thomas, even though Thomas has his doubts, his questions, his uncertainties. And Thomas might exemplify for us a little bit of the type of faith that we all actually have. One thing I love about Thomas is he's the one who's not afraid to speak up and say, I don't get it, I don't know what's going on. Have you ever been in either a classroom or a board meeting and realized at some point that you have no idea what's going on? I know that was me through a lot of classrooms that I've been in, where you kind of just, you spaced out, you got confused, and then you try to tune in again, and you just can't figure out what's happening. I had that in high school math. I remember getting confused, and so then as soon as I kind of lost the train of thought that Mrs. Roberts was teaching... I just kind of tuned out. I watched cars in the parking lot for a little while, and then the worst thing possible happened. She called on me for the next step of the equation. And in a moment of fear and authenticity and honesty, I simply told her, I'm sorry, Mrs. Roberts, I wasn't paying attention. Not a teacher's favorite thing to hear. She told me that that's okay, she'd catch me up to speed after class. I didn't have any idea what was going on. I didn't think I could catch up. And my habit in those moments is to just stay silent, don't say a word. Do you ever know those tricks of like how to look like you're paying attention but not look like you so much that someone will call on you to say what you're thinking? We don't know what's going on, but we don't really want to speak up either. So we just play it calm, keep nodding along, and maybe it'll be okay. And maybe we'll catch up some, somehow later. I didn't catch up in math. But Thomas has not been that kind of character before. Thomas is the one who will raise his hand and say, I don't understand, instead of spacing out and forgetting about what's happening. In John chapter 14, Jesus began to say some things that Thomas didn't understand. Jesus said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go there and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus says those words that we are familiar with. And it's like Thomas raised his hand and said, 
Jesus, I don't get it. Because in John 14, when Jesus said that about his father's house, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Thomas was not afraid to say, God, I don't get it. I'm not sure what's happening. I don't understand. He'll raise his hand. He'll bear the shame of being the one who doesn't get it and ask for clarity. Thomas is that, is that disciple. And he comes, sometimes gets called a doubter. But I would in some ways call him a healthy skeptic. Our English words for science and for skeptic both come from the same root word. They both have to do with knowledge. Science, most literally translated knowledge. Skeptic, very literally translated seeking knowledge. A quest of knowledge. A posture of questioning. And Thomas has that posture of questioning. He needs to know. He needs to understand. And part of doubting Thomas, this healthy skeptic, he needs to see it for himself. And one thing I think we need to give Thomas some credit on is that he doesn't ask for anything more than what the other disciples have already witnessed. Because in verse 20, when Jesus appeared to the disciples, he showed them his hands and his side. They have seen it, but Thomas has not. He's not asking for any more than what the other disciples already have. But Thomas does say very strongly that he will not believe unless he sees the nail marks, unless he can put his hand in Jesus' side where the spear had pierced him and blood and water came out. Thomas was not with the other fearful hiding disciples. Thomas didn't get to see it firsthand. And so when the other disciples tell him that they have seen the Lord, he's just not buying it unless he can see it for himself. His faith is seeking understanding and knowledge. But Jesus does appear again to the disciples, and this time Thomas is with them. Jesus does appear to Thomas. And the first thing that Jesus says to them once again is, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Even to doubting, skeptical Thomas, who needs to see it for himself, peace be with you. Jesus appears to Thomas, says, peace be with you. And then Jesus gives Thomas the full opportunity to see the very evidence that he was looking for, to wrestle out the questions that he has. And then he tells Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. I think we learn about God's character through seeing how Jesus interacts with Thomas. And it's in the order that things happen. Because Thomas is not yet believing. Thomas is doubting. But Jesus, in order, says, Peace be with you. See my hand. See my side. Have your questions answered. And then he tells him, Stop doubting and believe. Sometimes, maybe in the church, or maybe when we're impatient with other people in the faith, we do that in the reverse order. We start with, stop doubting and believe. Stop asking your questions. Stop, stop, stop doubting and believe. 
And then we'll answer your questions after we've told you to stop doubting. And then, peace be with you. Sometimes we get in the habit in the church of going in the reverse order. We lead with stop doubting and believe, but that's what Jesus finished with. It started with peace be with you, have your questions answered, stop doubting and believe. We sometimes mix up that order when we're impatient or when we just want someone to think and believe the way we think and believe and their questions are just frustrating us. There's another way in which we do this. One of our other Lenten texts that we read from John chapter 8, when Jesus confronts the Pharisees with the woman who is caught in adultery, and Jesus' closing words are, go and sin no more, or leave your life of sin. And sometimes, once again, we want to lead with that. But before Jesus did that, first, he said, woman, is there no one left here to condemn you? And she said, there is no one. And Jesus said, then neither do I condemn you. I do not condemn you. And then Jesus said, go and leave your life of sin. But sometimes, once again, in the church, we mix up the order. We want to start with leave your life of sin, and then we'll get to the neither do I condemn you. Jesus goes in that different order, though. Jesus offers assurance that there is no condemnation and then asks for repentance as the fruit of forgiveness, not as the credit by which forgiveness is earned. We have something to learn from the way in which Jesus orders his statements. Peace be with you, I do not condemn you. Have your questions answered. And then the request at the end is the fruit of what has already been done. The fruit is to live in repentance. The fruit is to believe. We sometimes want to mix up those orders. We learn something about the character of God by which God interacts with Thomas, that Jesus is so patient, that he offers him peace, that he offers him a wrestling with his questions, all of the evidence that he wants. And then, after all the questions have been answered and the witness has been offered, then he does tell him, stop doubting and believe. Jesus ends with that challenge. But the order in which Jesus interacts with Thomas matters. When our faith is seeking understanding, peace be with us. When we have unanswered prayers, peace be with us. Jesus will take his time and be patient and offer peace first and end with the challenge. We should be mindful of that order. Sometimes we just need to know We have a question that we need clarity on. Jesus shows no shame towards that. It's fitting that this morning we have so many prayer quilts in the back because prayer is one of those pieces in our Christian faith and walk that we might wrestle with from time to time. Times where prayers are answered quickly and we see results right away. When we walk from our work to our car and we say, God, fix this. And God seems to have fixed it by the time we get to our car. But there are also the long, difficult struggles where we're praying in earnest, where we, like Thomas, are seeking some more understanding on something and it just doesn't seem to be happening. 
People say that they're praying for us, and we believe them. But we need something to hold on to, something to see. Sometimes, maybe in a moment not of skepticism, but just of cynicism, we might wonder when people say, I'll pray for you, do they mean it? Will they pray for us? Will they remember to pray for us two days from now? That's why I love the prayer quilts. Because there's this thing that you can hold on to. There's knots that have been tied telling you that someone, in fact, did say a prayer for you. The quilt isn't magical, but it is symbolic. And there is power in knowing that you can hold on to those prayers that have been offered to you and for you. That you can feel it, even when you're not sure if you can feel the presence of God. God has not changed. God has not left us or moved away from us. But our perception might be challenged and skewed from time to time. We feel that distance. And in those moments, Jesus first comes and says, Peace be with you. We have questions. We have times of waiting and wondering, and we just need to be able to hold on to something. Jesus. Jesus has a habit of approaching people and offering them to be able to see for themselves. It's the pattern in the Gospel of John. Philip and Andrew were the ones who told other people, like Nathaniel and Peter, about Jesus. The Samaritan woman told her village. And the disciples, who were told by Mary, told Thomas about the risen Jesus. But the pattern in the Gospel of John is for someone else to say something about Jesus to invite them to see. And they don't quite believe until they experience Jesus for themselves. Maybe there's different parts of our testimony where we've felt God, we've experienced God's nearness and closeness. And that can't be taken away from us. But it's also very hard to translate over, to make someone feel the same meaning that we felt when God was near to us. But we can witness to it. We can say where we've been, where we've seen God. But it takes a personal encounter with God for someone else to be in that same time and space and place. Our testimony is simply an invitation to say, come and see. Thomas needs to see for himself. He needs to encounter Jesus so that he can believe. And Jesus does say to him, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's all of us. That's everyone who will read the Gospel of John. Thomas got to see, and so he believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us, but I suspect that we did not believe without some encounter with Jesus. Something that was meaningful, something that was personal, Something that moved us to know that his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches even me. See for yourself. And we need to be surrounded by people who have experienced God, who have seen and felt God's presence, who can testify to the ways in which their prayers have been answered. We need to read about answered prayers and, and hear what an impact things have made. But that personal encounter needs to happen as well. 
My Lord and my God, said Thomas. The Gospel of John chapter 20 closes with the simple phrase, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. My friends, it takes that encounter with Jesus to believe and understand that when Martha cried out, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God sent into the world, when, when here in this chapter, Thomas cries out and says, My Lord and my God, all the statements of faith are sign markers that point us towards Christ, but it has to be something that we experience too to believe. Come and see for yourself. Come and get your questions answered. Because there's not questions that are too hard or too difficult or a posture too arms crossed and skeptical for God to handle. Peace be with you. Come and encounter Jesus for yourself. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let's pray. God, may we be mindful wherever we are in our faith journey that you led these post-resurrection encounters with those words, peace be with you. Lord, if we're the ones who are struggling, may we hear your call, peace be with you, even before the questions are answered. Lord, if we are the one in a position of mentoring and discipleship, for those who just don't seem to be on board, who just don't quite get it. May we be mindful of the order in which you encountered people and lead with those words, peace be with you, before the next conversation, before the next engagement. Lord, may your peace be with us and surround us, that we may encounter you for ourselves and join that great company of saints who can testify to your presence in our lives. And tell to others, see for yourself. Come and see. Lord, bless us for the ways in which we have not seen and yet have believed. And this by your power, by your Holy Spirit, and by your presence that is felt in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.